Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Forge of Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uli, and this is episode 104 of the Forge of Freedom. Today, I'm going to share a bit of an update about the trial that's been going on in New York, uh, brought against the NRA, uh, or I should say the New York Attorney, Attorney General, Letitia James, has filed a civil suit against the NRA for uh, alleging various acts of corruption. And the jury reached a verdict after a lengthy trial and a years-long process uh, up there in New York. And I want to provide you with an update, but uh, before I do that, I want to share a couple of quotes with you. I'm going to start sharing more quotes related to freedom when I open up episodes. The first one is from Ralph Waldo Emerson and the second from Voltaire. Great men are they who see that spiritual is stronger than material force, that thoughts rule the world. In the second by Voltaire, anyone who has the power to make you believe absurdities has the power to make you commit injustices. Now, I, I like both of those quotes. Um, first, the, the Emerson quote, that the spiritual is stronger than the material force and that thoughts rule the world. Uh, it makes me think of uh, one of Ron Paul's campaign slogans that, that an idea whose time has come can't be stopped by any army or any government. And that that sort of demonstrates or, or creates a visual that thoughts that that the spiritual aspect of our humanity is more powerful than the material, than any army or any government. And, and so I, I really like that one uh, from, from Ralph Waldo Emerson and then later Ron Paul. And then this other one from, from Voltaire, anyone who has the power to make you believe absurdities has the power to make you commit injustices, I think is rings especially true uh, today. Uh, you know, we saw that... We've seen this exemplified throughout history, but uh, most recently with the pandemic, that if we just stayed locked up in our homes for a couple of weeks, we could we could bend the curve, we could flatten the curve, so to speak, uh, and and that lockdown ended up going on for years, and we're still suffering the consequences of it, of the absurd notion that somehow we could prevent the spread of this virus uh, by staying cooped up in our homes uh, for months on end. Uh, of course, there are other examples of this, um, many other examples of this, but uh, I think it's it's Im important to, to know and, and to, to realize that you can't just take for granted that what we're being told is the truth and that acting on that has significant consequences. Uh, the, just for example, that the lockdowns, uh, we saw that Florida and California had almost identical outcomes despite the incredible restrictions that were put in place in California and the relative freedom that was maintained in Florida. Uh, and that's just the, the death count. The unintended consequences 
that were suffered by the people of California and are still being suffered today as a result of the draconian measures out there continue to wreak havoc on their economy, on the people there, on the businesses there, on the families there. And we'll never know the full extent of the damage caused by the absurdities that made people commit incredible injustice. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed those two quotes. Uh, like I said, I'll be starting more of these episodes with, with quotes in the future. So with that said, let's get into the topic for the day, the NRA corruption trial in New York. Uh, like I said, that, that trial recently concluded the jury returned a verdict there in, in the civil case in New York brought by the New York attorney general, uh, which involved many allegations against the NRA. Uh, the jury found liability uh, with respect to a great deal uh, of the allegations. Uh, like I said, the, the lawsuit was filed there by Attorney General Letitia James. It was filed in August of 2020. And the NRA in early 2021 attempted to have the lawsuit dismissed uh, that law, that dismissal, that motion to dismiss was denied by Judge Cohen there in New York. And in January 2021, the, the NRA filed for, for bankruptcy, uh, partly in an effort to, I think, minimize the effects of this lawsuit to avoid the lawsuit to some degree and to reorganize in Texas. It's been weird to me and something that I've considered for a number of years, why did the NRA continue to operate out of New York was bizarre to me. Uh, and it wasn't until this lawsuit was filed that they attempted to reorganize in Texas. But uh, in May 2021, a federal bankruptcy court in Texas rejected the bankruptcy petition stating that the NRA did not file the bankruptcy petition in good faith. Nevertheless, the NRA has has limped along for the last several years, uh, draining their coffers and draining hard-earned dollars that had been donated by their members defending these lawsuits. And the NRA has consistently characterized these this lawsuit uh, by the New York Attorney General as a, as a witch hunt. But I think it was Cam Edwards that I heard recently saying, I'm, if I'm attributing this to the wrong person, I, I apologize. But I think it was him that said that just because this may be a witch hunt doesn't mean there aren't witches. And in fact, the New York Attorney General did discover some witches on this witch hunt. So while it, it may have been politically motivated, was politically motivated, this lawsuit doesn't mean that at the same time the NRA – um, hadn't been engaged in some wrongdoing. In September 2022, Judge Cohen uh, rejected another attempt by the NRA to challenge the Attorney General's claims and, and affirmed the Attorney General's um, affirmed rather that the Attorney General was seeking an independent monitor to ensure the proper administration of the NRA's charitable assets. 
And in January 2024, um, a final effort to delay the trial was rejected by the appellate court there in New York. On the eve of trial, Wayne LaPierre, the executive vice president and CEO of the NRA, a role he'd held for over 30 years, uh, stepped down and announced that he would be resigning at the end of January of this year. Uh, so he stepped down from the organization effective the end of January 2024. The trial took place over the course of, I, I believe it was 24 days. It was 20 some odd days. Um, the jury took place over a number of several weeks. The jury trial took place over a number of several weeks. And during the trial, uh, like I said, the the New York Attorney General uh, revealed some of the witches that they that they'd found. Uh, evidence that they presented included invoices of repeated private flights uh, for trips to the Bahamas taken by Wayne Lapierre with friends and family and paid for by the NRA. Invoices of helicopter trips to NASCAR races to avoid being stuck in traffic. Expense reports submitted by Wayne LaPierre and paid by the NRA for reimbursement of outdoor mosquito treatment at his house, landscaping for his house, and gifts for friends and family. A no-show post-employment contract between the NRA and Woody Phillips to pay him three hundred sixty grand annually in addition to $3,500 in monthly office rent. Invoices worth more than $4 million from the NRA's then-largest vendor, Ackerman McQueen, for out-of-pocket expenses that had no detail and were used as a pass-through for other expenses incurred by NRA executives, including high-end travel expenses for Wayne LaPierre and hair and makeup expenses for LaPierre's wife, and testimony from whistleblowers detailing harassment, intimidation, and other forms of retaliation by the NRA for raising concerns about the misuse of funds. These are just some of the things that were revealed among a number of other inappropriate actions and actions tending to show corruption within the NRA uh, and among its leadership. Now, in 2019, and I was at this, at the NRA meet, annual meeting uh, in Indianapolis in 2019, there was a lot of this came to light and there was uh, an attempt by Oliver North and, and others to reorganize and reform the NRA. And that effort was stymied and ultimately put out by Wayne LaPierre and his supporters, including many on the board of directors. And that was a significant, uh, that created a significant amount of drama at the 2019 NRA annual meeting in Indianapolis. And, and really the NRA has, never been the same since and I think has fallen from grace uh, and really hindered its efforts to protect and serve the rights of its members uh, including the right to keep and bear arms and, and also I think has, has hindered its its other efforts the, the uh, training division 
for instance, has gotten short shrift and, and suffered as a consequence just by example of all of this going on. So the jury uh, ultimately, like I said, found that the NRA had engaged in various acts of corruption and they determined that Wayne LaPierre in particular was responsible for $5.4 million in damages to the NRA and its members. Now, I'm pulling some of this information from the NRA in Danger website, which you can find at nraindanger.wordpress.com. Uh, I've referenced this website before, and I think if you're interested in this topic, it's a it's one of the better websites to follow, in addition to the Only Guns and Money blog by John Richardson, which I'll mention in a minute. But the uh, jury delivered a verdict and said that LaPierre had to repay $4.4 million to the NRA. Uh, he found that he was responsible for $5.4 million in losses, but he'd already paid, repaid a million of that. The jury also found that uh, Woody Phillips must repay $2 million. Um, this is interesting because this pay, seems to pale in comparison to the amount that it costs the NRA uh, to defend these actions. Uh, for instance, it says the NRA spent $100 million in legal fees to get here, lost over a million members, and spent millions trying to unsuccessfully trying unsuccessfully to go bankrupt. So this $5.4 million that the, that the jury determined LaPierre was accountable for seems to pale in comparison to the actual losses that it caused the organization and its members. Another interesting point, and I'll bring that, I'll try to put this here on the screen uh, from NRA in danger. I mentioned the losses that were caused by the legal expenses. Uh, but there was also significant expense from other areas. Uh, for instance, if you look at Exhibit 3.A, if you're looking at the screen, it says suspect payments total of $369 million over eight years. The first four are David McKenzie's companies totaling $114 million. The next three are Ackerman McQueen, totaling over $215 million. The three after that are Gail Sanford, who booked the executive jets for the LaPierre's, totaling over $16 million. So just that one, the $16 million, paid $16 million to book private flights for LaPierre's and his, LaPierre and his friends and family. And then... Exhibit 3.BB, payments for limousine services, $807,000 over eight years. Apparently, the executives of the NRA uh, require private limousine services rather than taxis or Ubers. 
so these are just some examples and, and the, the problems go much deeper. There were allegations of, you know, expensive custom suits that LaPierre uh, purchased on the NRA's dime, uh, flying friends and family on private flights, uh, etc. So these the huge expenses that the NRA paid for on the member's dime. And these what that's what's interesting about the NRA and what's amazing about the NRA is that it's funded by regular folks, you know, everyday American citizens who work hard for their money. And the NRA and its executives are out there wasting money for lavish expenditures uh, that don't contribute to the benefit of its members. The other thing I want to show here is uh, the No Lawyers, Only Guns and Money blog by John Richardson. It's onlygunsandmoney.com, and I'll pull that blog up here. He posted on uh, February 23rd, uh, the jury has returned with a guilty verdict. And what's interesting about this post, um, he, he included some of the information that I've discussed already, but he also included these tweets from Eric Ubelacker. Um, and I apologize if I'm saying that name incorrectly, but it includes these tweets with the jury verdict forms. And the jury verdict forms say, for instance, this is question two, did plaintiff prove by preponderance of the evidence that at any time between March 20th, 2014 and May 2nd, 2022, defendant Wayne LaPierre violated his statutory obligation to discharge the duties of his position in good faith and with the care an ordinarily prudent person in a like position would exercise under similar circumstances? And they checked yes. And then you can see... On question 2C, they were asked to identify the amount of harm, monetary harm, sustained by the NRA as a result of Wayne LaPierre's violations, and they determined $5.4 million. So this is – I want to point this out because here the, the evidence has to be by preponderance of the evidence, which just means more likely – than not. Remember, this is a civil trial, not a criminal trial. Uh, you, hear, you hear a lot of people saying that they were found guilty. It's not really guilt. Uh, guilt is typically associated with a criminal charge. This is civil liability as a result of uh, a breach of some duty to the NRA's members. And then finally, the, the last thing I want to point out, or one of the last things I should say, is the NRA all along, like I said, has been characterizing this lawsuit as a witch hunt and that they've done nothing wrong. This is purely politically motivated by an attorney general who has called the NRA at various times a terrorist organization, which is true. And I th think this was this lawsuit was politically motivated, but it wasn't just that. There was actually 
wrongdoing by the NRA here. So both can be true. It can be politically motivated, like I said, and also there could also there can be wrongdoing by the NRA. But the NRA put out a statement after the verdict that says a, a, a jury verdict in a high-profile New York trial confirms what the NRA uh, contended all along, that it was victimized by certain former vendors and insi insiders who abused the trust placed in them by the association. The jury found no cause to remove NRA General Counsel and Secretary John Frazier, the remaining NRA employee who is an individual defendant in the action. Now, I think this is a little bit rich because, as I said, these allegations came to light, many of them anyway, in 2019 during the NRA annual meeting in Indianapolis. And there have been revelations since that time brought to the attention of the NRA Board of Directors. So this wasn't a complete surprise that somehow the NRA was victimized by certain former vendors and insiders. I mean, it wasn't just that. The, the board, to some degree, was complicit in this because they rallied the troops around Wayne LaPierre in 2019 got rid of anybody who dissented, anybody who wanted to reform, anybody who wanted to reorganize to fix these problems. So this wasn't just something that the board and its uh, leaders were surprised by all of a sudden as a result of this trial. So that's why I've supported reorganization of the NRA. I think that the NRA is an incredibly valuable organization, can be an incredibly valuable organization, even though it's fallen from grace. I think that it, it's, it's got millions of members. It still dwarfs other organizations that uh, fight for the right to keep and bear arms in terms of membership, in terms of fundraising dollars, in terms of its political influence. So I think that it's important to try to salvage the organization and try to reorganize it. I think it has far too many board members. I think it has uh, far too many people who have been entrenched in the organization for far too long. And I think it needs to be reorganized with people who want to reform it for the benefit of its members. And I had Jeff Knox on the show uh, several months ago. I think it was episode 64 and I'll but Jeff Knox is one of four people who are running to reform the NRA. Uh, Jeff Knox, along with Phil Journey, Dennis Fusaro, Rocky Marshall, are running there as the four for reform. And I want to mention this now because the NRA has sent out its magazine to its members, um, and there are ballots in those magazines, if you have been a member for five consecutive years or you're a, a life member. And th those ballots are only returned by about 5%, it's my understanding, of, of the people who are eligible to vote. So there are millions, literally millions of ballots that do not get returned each year. And the result of that election uh, will be... 
known at the NRA annual meeting this coming spring uh, in May of this year. So be sure if you're eligible to vote that you vote for these four reform candidates, Phil Journey, Dennis Fusaro, Rocky Marshall, and Jeff Knox. And if you are curious about it, you could, you should check out uh, Jeff Knox, his writing at Ammo Land, and then also at Firearms Coalition, uh, which is his organization where he writes about these issues and about his efforts for reform along with these three other candidates. So definitely keep an eye out for that magazine you should have received already if you're eligible to vote, uh, return those ballots before the deadline. So you know, it, it's yet to be seen what happens in the next phase of this case. Uh, as I said, the jury determined that there was liability uh, for various individuals and uh, for the organization in certain respects. But the judge, the, the case will proceed um, following the jury determination with a separate court proceeding before just uh, Judge Cohen. Uh, he'll be sitting without a jury in a bench trial to determine whether to uh, award non-monetary relief, including, for instance, whether an independent compliance monitor, which would report to the court, should be appointed to ensure the proper administration of the NRA's charitable assets, whether an independent governance expert should be appointed to advise the court on reforms necessary to the NRA's governance to ensure the proper administration of the NRA's charitable assets, whether Wayne LaPierre and Woody Phillips should be permanently barred from re-election or appointment as an NRA officer or director or from any other New York State not-for-profit corporation, and whether the NRA and John Frazier should be barred from soliciting or collecting funds on behalf of any charitable organization operating in New York. I suspect, as do many others, that the court will uh, appoint an independent compliance monitor. Uh, I think that this could be a good thing for the NRA. And I, I know that uh, Chuck Michelle, he's an attorney. He does a lot of work for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Uh, he's been engaged in a lot of high-level Second Amendment litigation. He posted recently, and, and I hope he's right. Uh, I'm not certain that he is, but I hope that he is, that this is an opportunity. The silver lining in this is that this is an opportunity for the NRA to truly reform and to emerge a stronger and more effective organization for the right to keep and bear arms and for individual liberty. So with that said, like I said, we'll uh, keep an eye out for the next phase of this case to see what Judge Cohen does uh, with the, the the remedies, the non-monetary remedies and corrective action for the NRA. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learned a little something. I hope I gave you some clarity about what's going on there in New York with the NRA. Like I said, I hope the NRA is able to emerge from this a, a better, stronger, and more effective organization for, for its members. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forge of Freedom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. For more information or to connect with Alex, 
you can go to forgeoffreedom.com or follow him on Twitter at Forge of Freedom. Until next time, remember, you are the Forge of Freedom.